choose not to live in a world of filters. Realize your mistakes. Set the foundation for your success. Get some wins. Knucklehead Podcast. All right, well, welcome to another edition of Knucklehead Podcast. You've got with you today the Knucklehead Steven. And I say that, uh, I say that like as a term of endearment. I had somebody tell me recently that they're like, why do you use Knucklehead as a way to talk about something positive? And it's like, well, I mean, quite frankly, it's a term of endearment. You know, it's something you have to earn. Not everybody screws up as royally as we do. Uh, right, Nicholas? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Kidding. Well, uh, we also have with us uh, uh, Nicholas. You want, you want me to call you Nick or Nicholas? Nicholas, and there's actually a story to that as well. I love it. All right. All right. Well, Nicholas Byerly, um, he's coming to us all the way out there on uh, the left coast. He is uh, he is there in San Diego. So uh, welcome to the show. I appreciate you taking some time today, man. How are you? Hey, you, you set me up for that. The, the left coast is the best coast. You know what I'm saying? I'm just kidding. But, <laughs> well, I, I, uh, but, I, I, went, I went through Marine Corps boot camp there. So all these guys on the East Coast, like I had anything to do with it. They're like, oh, you're a Hollywood Marine. I'm like, I, if that's what that's called, I guess that's what I am. Yeah, it's, it's not the worst thing you be called. But Stephen, I appreciate right. uh, you even putting an environment like this together. I know back in the day, my life changed in the negative in one moment and also for the positive in one moment. It takes a while for those moments to happen, but when they do, everything changes. And that's why I love shows like this. You creating an experience week after week that people can have that moment. So that's first off I want to say. And then for Nicholas, the reason why I'm called Nicholas instead of Nick, my life transformed when I was 18 and I was only called Nick all the way up to 18. And after that, I only want to be called Nicholas and I had no clue why. And so finally, one day I go on Google, Google's amazing. And I said, what does Nick mean? And it said, victory. I said, what does Nicholas mean? It said, victory of the people. I thought that's so interesting. Everyone said victory, victory, victory over me when I was struggling until 18, I had a breakthrough. And then I want to be called Nicholas, which meant victory of the people. So it was almost like I turned something, my victory and started going out there and giving other people victory. So that's why I choose Nicholas over Nick. That's an incredible story. I love that. <laughs> I love that. How many people know what their name means? They don't even, it's almost as if they don't correct folks. Like, just call me whatever sounds good. You know, and, and I'll be honest. I've answered to substantially worse than Steven, if you know what I mean. So it's, it is, it is what it is, but knowing what your name means, I love that. So, um, if you don't mind me asking, what, would you be comfortable sharing? What was, uh, what was it that you were struggling with, uh, up until 18? Uh, just knowing what the whole purpose of why I was doing anything was. I, I remember when I was four, my parents split up. And at the time I was a, a bicycle racer. I was actually the youngest kid in the world to start racing bicycles without training wheels on a track. And then from there, I want to be a professional motocross racer. That's what I wanted. At four years old, my dad gave me my first motorcycle. But then at the same time, my parents split up. My stepmom moved in the same week. And that's where everything really started coming in, like pressure and depression, anxiety, and things that I had no clue how to label, but I was feeling. And I remember at seven years old, I wrote my first suicide letter. Just like, if everything could end, this would make my life so much easier. and I wouldn't have the pressure. And Am I supposed to love my mom who doesn't like my dad? Or am I supposed to love my dad who doesn't like my mom? And if I love one of them, I have to choose the other one because they don't like each other. Like, right, the anxiety and the pressure and the depression that comes from that is pretty huge. And all I ever wanted was the approval of my dad. I stem everything back to that. I remember being a young kid, and I'm sure so many people have felt this, where I remember doing things and thinking, my dad would be so proud of me if he could see me. So I wonder if I can do this activity, skateboard or do something to get his attention. And I, I just never felt like I got it. And I remember one day being 13 years old 
and I was at the just the last straw, like just the very last bit of of I would say like willpower that I had. And I knew that if I could just tell my dad that I wanted to be the best motocross racer in the world, I thought then he would finally accept me. And so I remember coming out of my uh, room, he came down the hallway, through the kitchen, down three steps into our garage, and there's a door out the backside of the garage where we'd go hang out as guys. And we were going down those three steps, and I thought, this is, this is the chance. I'm going to tell him everything's going to change. I'll finally be loved and accepted. And I go, Dad, I want to be the best motocross racer in the world. Let's move out of our house. We'll go on the road. I'll have a tutor. I'm willing to go all in. I'm going to be the best. Finally, I found my calling. My dad turned around, he looked at me and he goes, you'll never be the best. And I just remember that just sinking in and just finally it was the straw that broke the camel's back. It was like there, my back was broken. I didn't talk to my dad for three and a half years all throughout high school. I only saw him during Christmas. I gained 60 pounds. I had no relationship, meaning no girlfriend all throughout high school and all the guys are getting girlfriends. I legitimately just had complete depression, stayed in my house, sometimes wouldn't take showers for up to two weeks at a time playing video games, completely addicted and was failing in what we now call the three-dimensional businessman. I was failing in my mission and vision in my wealth sector. I was failing in my relationship sector, my family, my friends, myself, my intimate relationships, and also in my health, gaining 60 pounds. So I lost everything up to that point. And I actually had my life changed for the better in the health sector, lost the 60 pounds, but still noticed that that did not give me a sense of happiness, a sense of relief. And so it wasn't until I was 18 and I found out God had a purpose for my life that everything shifted around. And that's where really the business was born. My relationships were born. Everything was born out of that moment. You know what I love about um, stories like yours is um, it, the, it's almost as if there's every single, so there's a 330 some odd million Americans, right? And it's not just Americans that this is unique to. It's, it's really... Um, it's really unfortunate that it's very commonplace among American stories, especially American males, teenage males growing up. In the absence of a, of a father who's, uh, who has left and right lateral limits, and obviously there's anecdotal experiences where there's exceptions to the rule, but the common denominator in a lot of these stories is the absence of the father. And um, your story is before you experienced what, uh, what your purpose was or, or before you were, it was revealed to you, first of all, that the seeds of what was going on inside you uh, was, was even an opportunity. You had to go through struggle and you had to go through rejection. You had to go through um, those three and a half years of Lord knows what you had to you know, put yourself through with testosterone, the, the, all the, the adolescent crap that we had to put up with as, as guys. Um, and then probably the belittling that happened, all the you know ridicule, the who knows if you had fights and all that stuff growing up with guys. But I can tell you, without that kind of sounding board of one person where all you truly want is just his ear and his approval, your life can spiral out of control. Carol Dweck calls a little bit of, well, she has a, uh, an analogy between fixed and growth mindset and kind of backs it up with um, the physiology of how the brain is you know, wired and it's, it's kind of fascinating how all of that works with energies and everything else. Some people uh, attribute it to their relationship with a higher power. Uh, I choose to believe uh, in, you know, Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. So that's, that's what's changed my life and my perspective. And the only reason why I'm not dead today, uh, dead and or broke or divorced or, you know, uh, essentially passing on the burden of the things that you and I experienced um, onto my kids. You know, I didn't even realize that, in it, uh, you know, inadvertently, some of my issues were going to be passed on to the next generation unless unless you just kind of 
decide to face it, right? And that's what you had to do. I don't, I don't want you to go into your to your story at eighteen on how that got revealed to you, but uh, those few years following that, what what changed about your daily activities? What changed about your daily issue? You know, the daily, I guess, rhythm that that's that spurred the change that uh, that led to the man you are now. Yeah, so I, I always found that I've coached over 600 men one-on-one over the last six years, not including our group programs. We have like 2,200 active guys going through all of our stuff right now. And throughout that process, I realized that there was like two different types of people. And it all stemmed to the same conclusion. And this is what I went through. It was either they had a lack of motivation, but they knew the plan. They knew how to get healthy. They knew how to build a business, but they didn't have the motivation to actually do what they know. And all of us know something we could be doing right now to be better. Just there's... the they don't need to be told something else. Why are we not doing it? The second type of person right. had motivation, like they were excited, but they didn't know how to actually go out there and produce the result. That was kind of me when I was like, I'm ready to lose this weight. I never want to be fat, but I don't know what to do. And so it wasn't until a plan was revealed to me that I got that my motivation and my, the plan came together to produce a result. So all of a sudden, I believe after I was 18 years old, I really found out that out of all those two types of people, it really comes down to the end result that we're looking to create. What is the objective, the outcome that we're looking to create? Because right now, if you know how to get healthy, but you know a bodybuilding plan, you know how to do CrossFit, you know how to join Orange Theory, but you don't know the result you're looking to create, you'll always be in this place where even though you know what to do, you won't take action because you don't know what result you're going towards. And so you'll never have motivation. There's other people that have motivation, but they still don't know the outcome they're looking to create. And so because of that, they run around like a chicken with their head cut off. It's when the objective is clear that you're able to see the, the plan that's going to get you to that objective and the motivation comes together. And it's almost like three pillars, like a triangle that cannot be broken. And so I believe that's what happened to me is I got clear that I had something bigger I was looking to do. I got clear that anything was possible and I got clear on the life that I wanted to live. And it's different for everyone. From there, I started seeing the plans that would get me there. And I started getting the motivation because I was excited knowing that, man, if this plan, if I follow it, I'm going to get this result it's game over. And, and now we help that get discovered in other people as well. Well, isn't it cool that, you know, just a little bit of focus on, uh, on your life and the introspective uh, process that you had to go through uh, just the self-reflection and development, just that whole process. Now you said, it, how many people did you say were part of this, this program or enrolled in it somehow? So I've done over 600 one-on-ones in our first six years okay. in business. And those are all, high ticket one-on-ones, working with men, talking on the phone, speaking to each other, figuring out what their struggles are and how can we provide a solution that makes them super happy, right? Like the outcome is all that matters. And, and thousands now obviously have gone through our systems apart from me, but my personal conversations. That's awesome. Well, good for you, man. That's a, it's a gargantuan task to look at it. So I know that, uh, well, the reason why we started Knucklehead is, is, uh, in some cases, ambitious guys, what we end up, what ends up happening, and this is just true for guys and gals, we end up biting off more than we can chew. And we're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, I mean, you mean that, that mountain right over there? Got it. Let's scale that, baby. Right. Not even understanding that, no, there's a, there's a process that you got to follow. And if you're not prepared in some cases, you're going to end up falling flat on your face. You're going to end up getting your nose kicked in, your, your, your knees scraped up, your hair messed up. But you know what? Because the world is so full, of everybody who's got an answer, everybody who's got the specific framework in order to solve any problem that's out there. Quite frankly, nobody wants to talk about the things they've messed up. Nobody wants to talk about the the issues they they've had to overcome. And I'm not talking about the pre-18 
stuff. I'm talking about when you have this clarity, you have the motivation, you have the purpose, and you still go out and have a difficult time executing. So talk about a time that you experienced that, uh, I guess, that uh, that trip up, so to speak. Yeah, I, th- I think that people, that it's reframing what they think those trips up, trip ups are, right? It takes you failing inside of a sport to be able to make three-pointers. You have to practice three-pointers and fail the majority of the time. Of course, you're only going to hear the stories of when you make it, like the good time that you shot eight out of 10 free throws and like now that's your story. But ultimately, failure should be embraced because it's what puts in the reps to be able to create something. Everything for me has been a complete failure. At 18 years old, I found my now wife, which we started dating. And I remember getting married at 20 years old with no job, no income, no business, no nothing. And we had to go out there and I was like, having to go try to do garage sales and do all this crazy stuff to be able to provide for our life. And we ended up getting in network marketing at the time. It provided for our life for a whole year. And then everything crashed down. I was inside of a condo in San Diego where we lost our entire income and we had to move out with no place to live. I had to go figure out how that I could live in the back of a halfway home. This is for kids with troubled parents. And nobody that was as broke as me didn't have a criminal record. So everyone that was applying to live there, pretty much all of them that were that broke had a criminal record. And then there was little Nicholas that was just a failure. So I tried to apply to go to, go to live in this place. And I remember just being like, we got this set. This can be so amazing. It's 600 bucks a month, the cheapest thing in all San Diego. And so we went to a business event that, uh, out, of the, out of the state that year. And I remember sitting there like, as soon as we get back, we're going to move into our new place. And I remember getting an email sitting next to my wife, who's all hopeful, like, we're going to build our business back. It's going to be so amazing. And I got an email that was like, hey, the state denied anyone to live there. We're not going to be able to accommodate you. You're going to have to find somewhere else. And I just remember thinking, there's not one place in San Diego that I can even physically get approved in. And again, this is after I've already lived in a house that had termite mounds literally inside the house. So built up all along the sides of my wall with mold infested uh, that, that infected both of our lungs. Like, We've gone through a lot of things and a lot of failures and a lot of things that we didn't embrace at the time that we thought would become a story. And so a lot of times I like to look at it almost like you're creating a movie that you get to tell or showcase in the future. And now when we go through these things, we're like, this is going to be so good for our movie. Can you imagine what this is going to be like? So I remember having to break the news to my wife and going home with this overwhelming feeling that everything was like done. And we ended up moving into a small 400 square foot apartment together in San Diego and we had to rebuild from scratch, acting like our kitchen was an office. So we'd angle the computer the right way. We do interviews just like this in summits, and we talk about success and all this stuff that we wanted to do and providing information for people all in the corner of a 400-square-foot apartment that even one time my wife was interviewing someone. I remember walking out of the bedroom. Somehow it wasn't fully turned the computer. And in the background, we're live, and I'm in my underwear walking in the background. Like, oh, I was the... It sounds so stupid now that I say it, but I just remember the feeling, and I'm actually friends with the guy that she was interviewing still this day. He lives down the street from me. I just saw him the other day. And that's how we met was him going, who's that guy in the background with underwear on? He's like, leave this in here. I don't want it to cut out. And so it, everything that we've done has always been a struggle. And so at that point, we had experienced success in our first year in business, but then everything fell down on us. And I had to go and I had to clean carpets every single day and run my dad's carpet cleaning company for twelve to $1,600 every month for two and a half years. And so I became this kid who couldn't afford a haircut, a kid who couldn't afford more than $25 eating out budget. For all the two and a half years, I only ate out twice on the job at Chipotle. Never ever did I actually eat food. If I didn't pack my food, I didn't eat. 
because I couldn't physically afford it. And so everything that we've ever done has all come from consistent failure. It's almost like controlled failure all the way through, right? It's like jumping off of a cliff and building a plane on the way down. That's how success happens. I don't think it happens so precise because ultimately you, shoot. you don't know how to do hey. something until you do it. And it takes I got I got it. No, no, no. I, I hear you. I, I completely get it. Do you shoot guns? Do I? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. I had to ask. Uh, you do live in California, so I had to ask this. All right. Yeah. So um, I was born in California, yeah, though. And people born in California, we shoot yeah. guns. It's people that come to California that don't. Yeah. I will. Uh, I will. Yeah. I agree with you there. There's a buddy of mine, one of my best friends. He lives in Germany right now, but he's, he, he, he to this day still is like every time he sees it, it could be, you know, an hour before, since we talked, or it could be three years. And he's like, Woo, the great country of Texas. Here we go. Pew, pew, pew. And I'm like, yeah, well, you are, you were born in California. And he's like, yeah, the land of fruits and nuts. There's a bunch of, you know, uh, fruit farmers and, and there's actually peanut farmers up in Northern California. And I'm like, yeah, you're smart ass. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, his, um, uh, the whole, the whole, the real reason why I asked about uh, shooting guns is um, your entire story. What, what comes into my mind over and over again is, as you got so far to the left and right of kind of what I would call the the rifle range of life, you got so far on the left side over here. You know, uh, termite mounds inside your, um, I guess inside your, uh, the place that you live, you lived in a condo, at least I, maybe I misheard you, but you lived in a condo, which is over here on the right side of that, you know, rapid range of life. And it's just knowing where to have uh, your rifle or your, your muzzle pointed. That's, that's where, you know, I mean, I guess that's where your sweet spot is. So how many times did you have to approach those lateral limits before you realized, okay, listen, this is my sweet spot. This is where I'm going to stay. Yeah. So I think we do it still inside of our company. I do believe that people have shiny object syndrome and that's the reason why they don't have success. We've stayed true to our message and our company year after year after year, but still consistently to this day, we're still having controlled failure everywhere we go. We're testing things, we're seeing things, but it really wasn't until I really took hundred percent responsibility. I remember thinking that one day, maybe I'll get lucky. Maybe the market will start buying my stuff. Maybe my wife, she's pretty hot. Maybe she'll just like make money because she's cute. Like, I don't know. Like, I just thought like something was going to happen. And it wasn't until finally one day I sat down and thought, if it's meant to be, it's up to me. And I just thought, what would it look like if I took 100% responsibility for the outcome that I'm looking to produce in my life, my marriage, and in my business right now? And I was like, I would go all in. So I remember writing down my statement. This is where everything changed. I read Think and Grow Rich. I wrote down my income statement. I set it every day and I set a commitment every day to make $285 per day where I couldn't go to sleep until 10, 10 p.m. And so literally worked the whole time and not like I fell asleep at eight or something. I had to work until 10. And I remember that year, I only made $22,000 on paper and we made $100,000 for that year. From all the creative ways that I found out, I got less married to the way that I was making money at the time and I got more married to the result that I was looking to produce. After that, I started gaining confidence and we started focusing on things that actually worked. I don't sell things from the garbage cans anymore like I used to, uh, but I legitimately used to sell all those things on the side of the road that are free. I used to take pictures of them, meet people there, and sell those free things out of the front of someone else's front yard. That's how I started making money. But it all changed when I took 100% responsibility. And really, I think for anyone out there right now that, that when it comes to business and success, 
one framework to work with that worked for us is that we took one thing, one product that solved one problem for one niche. That three prongs right there, one product that solves one problem for one person, that is so specific that you can build a community of people that have gone through and had an experience with your product or service that you then can build other things on top. Just because you come out with more products and services doesn't mean you're going to make more money. You're better off having one until you make a million dollars and then moving on to different ones. And that was kind of the approach we took. I coached those men. And then from there, I surveyed those men and figured out the new thing that they needed help with. But it was all helping men lose body fat. That was the first thing we did. One thing to one person, one product. That's what we focused on. And that's when we started seeing success. And it was just like addicting after that. Good for you. That's exciting. Well, it's exciting to one, because it's, I like the way you say controlled failure. I, Marine Corps, my knuckle dragon mind thinks of it in, in left and right lateral limits. So controlled failure, split, split testing or A-B testing, just understanding what works and what doesn't, and then being able to measure, uh, you know, measure that progress as you go along. So you have a, you have somebody who had a similar experience to you that you know that you can share one of their stories, one of your 600 guys that you, that you sat down with where um, they experience some of the breakthroughs that you're talking about. Absolutely. And, and just when you're talking about the Marine Corps, like my number one mentor since I was 18 years old, is a Navy SEAL and an instructor and, and did some other stuff as well. And like the mindset that goes into it, that was the person I'm writing. I'm writing my book, Modern Day Businessman, that comes out in the middle of the year. And I just noticed how much I mentioned him in this book. The majority of the things when I talk about commitment, the majority of the things when I talk about follow through and the things that make a person successful, I learned from him. And so one of the guys that comes to mind is a guy named Douglas James that's in our community. When he first joined our community, and the reason I bring him up is because he was actually in the Navy. He was in the Navy in our community. And hopefully he's okay with me sharing this, who cares? (laughs) And he didn't tell anyone. Just as I was, I didn't even show anyone that I had lost 60 pounds until years after. I was so embarrassed with who that person was. I remember him being in our community and he had a side business, but actually was in the Navy and never told anyone. Like it just had become this thing that he hadn't shared that was like behind the scenes that he was doing. And he was doing pretty good in his business, doing a couple hundred thousand dollars in revenue each year. His health was on the back burner. And a lot of this like not sharing things and not being open can put a lot of pressure on you. And also his relationship, he had been in a relationship for years but had never committed to his relationship fully. And since jumping in with us, he not only has been able to, one, get his fitness back, two, build a business that in his first year did over $2 million in revenue while still being in the Navy on the side and just is finally getting out right now. He's been able to free up and find community and people that are like-minded that he can actually share with, that he can actually grow with and feel purposeful with that has empowered him to go out there. And I actually got invited from being someone who just... I, I was the person that he bought from to being invited to his wedding. And I was inside of his wedding uh, just, I think it was about four months ago now. And so to think like you have to make an impact on someone's life to have them give you a testimonial. You have to make a major impact in someone's life to be inside of their wedding. Like not an attendee. Oh, yeah. I was like physically one of the guys standing next to him, one of the groomsmen. So uh, that's just one of the transformations that we like to create, not just around business, because that's awesome but to actually create a complete different life transformation. We believe the only way that happens is inside of brotherhood, inside of a community. 100%. 100%. We, and knucklehead, what we, call, what we do is we call that get some wins, right? And the reason why we say get some wins is 
you don't go from a couple hundred thousand dollars to two million dollars in sales overnight. You don't create uh, authentic relationships with folks overnight. It talks. It, it, you know, we're we're very uh, focused on helping people understand that they didn't get to where they were where they were struggling with something overnight. It took time to get there, and so taking those small steps to be able to have confidence in your decision making, so you start to build competence. And then through that competence, then you start to actually get results. And so that's what I'm that's what I'm interested in, you know, whenever it comes to failure and sharing those struggles and sharing those stories and understanding that you can't be bad about the process. Listen, you cannot be. Sometimes uh, and it that's takes why we have failure, right? To, it takes failure to have that memory though. I remember being right. I was yeah. with my father real quick. And I remember I was at this house one day and this lady wanted me to leave a business card. And I remember like getting into my carpet cleaning van. I was driving away and I felt all good. And I was like, I forgot to leave her her business card. So I, I yeah. sit there and I'm looking for one. I grab one. I write my name on the back. Thank you so much. I jump out of my van. I run into her house. I set it on the counter. I run back out of the house. My van's gone. Oh. My van's gone. And I'm sitting there like someone stole my truck. And then I look down the road and there's people honking. My truck is driving away, but it's driving into oncoming traffic because I had left it in drive. No, you didn't, did you? Oh my goodness. And I'm just thinking, <laughs> neighborhood, and I'm just sitting there like Maseratis and like people are going to be smashed and I killed a kid probably. And like everything's going through my head. I dive through the bushes. I jump in the truck. All it hit is a fence. I put it in reverse, backed out. The guy looked at me like, I don't know, nothing happened. So I just drove away. I was so scared that I was going to get caught. And like, I was so glad I didn't kill someone or hit a car that I drove away. I put my foot on the brake at the stop sign and my foot's just going yeah. like this. Like I was just freaking out. And I just oh, remember I feeling that. like a complete failure and a complete idiot or a complete knucklehead. And still to this yeah. day, every single time I park anywhere, it's like a quadruple check because it was something park. that I went through that I'll never allow to happen again. I'm part of the wheel this way, just in case, just it goes into the curb. Oh my yeah, gosh, I get it. dude. It's like, it, it, my it, wife, my wife calls that, my wife calls that mushroom cloud syndrome to me. She's like, Steven, Steven, mushroom cloud like do, do you all of a sudden just see this disaster taking place she gives it to me like she gives it a hard time because i'm always like whoa 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 hold up hey no. oh look, look out look out somebody's driving over here she just she gives me a hard time she knows how to push my buttons I'll just put it to that better be safe than sorry that's a good answer it's a good answer uh it still sounds funny though it's what happens when you marry your best friend which in Think and Grow Rich, it does talk about one of the reasons why people don't achieve what it is that they want to achieve is they pick the wrong spouse. Uh, I'm sure you you find that to be true quite a bit, especially in today's society with, with guys. I mean, we're what we decide to put in our eye gates and our ear gates um, really affects the decisions that we make and really creates a lot of frequencies in some cases that don't lead to the decisions that we want to make and they don't they do not produce the results that we're looking to uh, that we're looking to have. So um, anyway. I'd love to talk with you for a little bit longer, but let's put a bow on this. Let's, let's, let's figure out how can people get in touch with you? How can people, um, we, and the reason why I want to do it this way is we've had, we've had some folks uh, tell us that uh, through their time of listening to Knucklehead inadvertently, it wasn't our intention at all, but they, they were at a crossroads in their life. They, they were about ready to end it. And they listened to an episode. They listened to something. They thought it was fairly comical that there was other people out there that willing to share some of their screw-ups that inspired them to live another day It inspired them to live uh, and take that next step, uh, putting themselves out there out of their comfort zone and really have some significant change. So, you know, what we do is if you're listening to this now, that's you contact us, but how do people get in touch with you? 
Yeah, so Instagram, Nicholas Barely. That's the best way. It's just so simple, so direct. When they say they come from you, I'd love to be able to chat. You know, men that are struggling inside of relationships, struggling inside of business, just need community, like-minded people that are just like them. I'd love to just get them connected with some of the people that, you know, are just like them. I know that it was so tough learning in business from people that didn't have the same ideals as me. They were great in business, but they sucked in other areas. And that still rubs off on you. And so Nicholas Bailey on Instagram is awesome. I showcase my day. I show me and my wife. I show my guys at the office, uh, men and women at the office, and, and show what we do every single day that makes us successful. They could just model. They could laugh at. It's hilarious. Like We make tons of mistakes as well. We share it all there. Good. All right. Well, you heard of Nicholas uh, barely, no underscore or anything like that, right? Nope. All right. We make it simple. All right. So for those of you who want to get in touch with Nicholas, not Nick, Nicholas barely on Instagram, get in touch with him there. So Nick, uh, you had referenced a little bit earlier about a book that's coming out. Tell people a little bit more about that. Yeah, that's going to be the modern day businessman's success without sacrifice, really taking all the principles that we teach for, through some of the guys that we've coached for over $60,000 a year, all the way down to our group programs, everything, and really laying out how can you, one, live this three-dimensional lifestyle where you have success without sacrifice, rather than feeling like you have two of the areas that you can balance at any time, but one of them is always failing. And I know exactly what that feels like. So this system cures all of that and shows you exactly how to be that new modern-day businessman. That's awesome. All right. Well, um, people can buy it, I'm assuming, on the site, on Amazon. Where's it, where's it going to be distributed? So I'll actually give you a link and that way they can see it on the podcast episode, make it super simple. We're actually going to be pre-launching it right when this episode goes out. And so we're going to be giving away tons of bonuses for people that are supporting us. We want to put together, like get a book. We also get other things with it. So it's not just a book. I want to make sure that people have success, have trainings and have physical transformation the same way that I have. Those one moments, this book is that one moment. So I'll make sure you have all that information in the show notes. Very good. All right. Well, you heard it there. Nicholas Farley, I appreciate you taking some time talking with us. Be safe in your travels, buddy. And uh, listen, for those of you who want to listen to Michael White Podcast, we got a new episode coming every Tuesday. 